Good morning, everybody. Man, we are having a good time in the house of the Lord this morning. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Why do you need song lyrics? We just sing God's name, man. Eh? I mean, really. We left you high. We left you high. I mean... We did that for what, like 25 minutes? I, Praise the Lord. God is good, man. What? Worship his connection, brother. Hey, the name Worship above all connection. names. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. Let's give him one more big round of applause. Come on, man. Yeah. God is good. So, guys, I don't know how many of you uh, frequent up and down uh, North Rand Road. How many of you guys go up and down North Rand Road? How many of you guys have had the... Uh, uh, I always get fines there. Have seen the vision of... Apparently, Jesus said something about, said something to Allah, or, uh, do you guys seen it? Yes, this is a North Yeah, this, this, this thing, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been there for a while. Oh, is it more than one? Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to bring this up. You can keep it up there. Thanks, Darren. Can you blow it up a bit? Can you? It says, Jesus said... And indeed, Allah is my Lord, and your Lord, and what's so worship him that he, that is a straight path. Okay. Do you know that uh, the invention of Allah and Islam only came 500 years after Jesus anyway, you know? So uh, I don't know how, where they got that from, and I can't even read the second one. Can, I don't know, can you see it from your, your eyes are fresh? Uh, indeed, I am the servant of Allah. He has given me the scriptures and made me a prophet. Okay. So, guys, I wanted to bring this up because this is becoming a big problem, a big problem. In the church, the church has become so passive, and secretly and quietly, this religion, this false religion, is gaining ground within our society. Now, if you don't know that this, this very church building, the owner of this building, Umkhet, he built this building in 1970-something, and he built it purely for the work of the Lord. Um, he's a very wealthy man. He could have sold this building one million times over. Why? Because every single day, the Muslims from the mosque phone him, and they demand they want this property. It's not even asking anymore. They demand it. Just by the way, this property on the, on the over, I think it's throughout the six blocks here, is one, I think it's 1% left that belongs to non-Muslim people. They have bought everything. They are buying everything. They are taking over. Do you know that for the first time uh, in my walk with the Lord, I'm starting to deal with a lot. We were speaking about it at a men's meeting on Thursday. There's so many young men that are actually brought up in Christian homes. Yeah, in South Africa, like traditional Christian homes, which is pro problem number one because it's religion and not, and not relationship. And what we find is they're converting from Christianity to Islam. They're converting from Hindu to Islam, not to Christianity. We've got a problem. And it's happening quietly, but yet aggressively. Amen? It's a big problem, folks. We're not saving souls. We're not giving people their identity in Christ as the church. We need to get our priorities straight. It doesn't matter if you go build the biggest sandcastle over the next 20 years. If you 
turn around from your great exploits and you see that you are now under Sharia law because they have encroached right up until government status like they have done overseas. Do you believe me? Can I show you? Can we put up, before you put it up, <clears throat> I want to show you how they have taken over just one European country, but they are in everywhere. Now, Uncle Trev sent this to me, and I was blown away. I knew about Luton City, Luton Town, and I knew about Birmingham, but I never knew about this. Can you put up the names? Let's have a look quickly. Sorry, Bash. Mayor of London, Muslim. Mayor of Birmingham, Muslim. Mayor of Leeds, Muslim. Mayor of Blackburn, Muslim. Mayor of Sheffield, Muslim. Mayor of Oxford, Luton, Oldham, and Rockdale. Do you know that these guys are starting to change the laws within their towns? And soon it'll be within their countries. There are Sharia courts, if I'm not mistaken, that have been set up in certain areas of, of, of England, in France. Sharia courts, guys. Turn to the person next to you say, Vot vakar mei sisi mei buti. Jesus said, before he ascended, he gave us one commission. He said, go out there into all the nations and make disciples. Not converts, but disciples. That means if you're going to disciple someone, it's not just say a prayer with them. You're going to walk with them. You're going to actually put some time and effort into their lives. You're going to go through some Bible studies with them. You're going to bring them to a discipleship school on a Wednesday. You're going to bring them to church on a Sunday. You're the one that's going to phone and say, hey, I never saw you at church last week. I'm coming to pick you and your wife up, brother, and pack those kids in the car because here we go. It has to be you. It can't be someone else. It can't be Pastor Bash. It can't be me. It has to be you. Are you with me? You need to do it, family. How did you get here in the first place? Did you forget? I had some people, because I was on the rough side of town, so some ruffians who would never, ever, I would never have met people in church. I met some really rough folks who, who saw the Lord, became reborn, and guess what? Came and picked me up every Wednesday. Came and chased me, phoned me, checked up on me. Are you okay, brother? What's happening, brother? Why weren't you at church on Sunday? Have you done the, have you done the uh, uh, Foundations of Faith course, brother? Do you know? And he just pushed, and he pushed, and he pushed. And guess what? He pushed until I had an identity in Christ. Amen? We need to give people their identity, guys. You speak to these young men that are, that are, are, are getting converted to, to Islam. Do you know why? Because they're sitting at school and university with these guys, and these, these men, these Muslim men, you know, first of all, let me, let me put it to you this way. I want to put it into perspective. If we in churches, and you know, we've worked in some churches before we started this church, but I can tell you right now, when we call for prayer meetings in the church today, 90% of the people that will arrive are ladies. 90% of the people that want to serve out of their own in the church, ladies. You try and get a man in here. He's so busy building his little sandcastle. His ego is so big. Are you with me? Guys, it's a problem. Do you know why these young men are becoming Muslims? Because they're watching young Muslim fathers take their children to the mosque. 
It might be totally false. It might be totally wrong. It might be completely sincere and sincerely wrong. But guess what? There's a cause, there's a purpose burning inside of them that is speaking to this place. It's speaking to the people in this world. In this world, people are looking for a purpose to live. There's nothing left here. Come on. They're telling us what we're allowed to eat, what we must get injected with. They're telling us where, what our kids are supposed to be listening to at school. The system is taking over, just like the Bible said. Yeah. And people don't have an identity in Christ. They don't have a purpose for their, for their belief. Rise up, people. Rise up. You are the ones. It has to be you. You're going to touch people that we're never going to touch. You might be the only person in your company that's willing to take the persecution, that's willing to be rejected, that's willing to look awkward or, or feel weird for the name of Jesus. If you're not getting persecuted, you're doing something wrong, guys. I get it from my own family. Never mind people out there. Are you with me? If we're not going through that, we're not getting built up. It's good to be rejected. Don't be scared of it. It does something inside of you. If, if your foundation's a little bit wobbly, you know what it'll make you do? It'll make you go back and check your foundation. And then you'll dig in deeper to the Word, and guess what? You'll, you'll, you'll build deeper, and you'll become stronger. And you'll come out back into those situations again, and in that live moment, you'll have more confidence. And then you might bump into another clever, and he might reject you, or he might whatever, you go deeper until you know that you know that you know that what you believe is the truth. Amen? That you are in the truth. Yeah. So important, folks. So important. These young men, I spoke to one of them the other day. He connected with, he, can, he said he connected with the, with the brotherhood. He, he connected with how the camaraderie of all the men in the Muslim community. They gave him a job. They looked out for him. They, they brought him into their brotherhood, and then they converted him. Because he's not getting it at home. Because never mind, the father's not coming to church for the prayer meeting. The fathers are not coming to church at church. The mothers are. Whatever happened to that backbone, that, that old-fashioned Christian man who gets up and he says to his wife and his children, come on, guys, we're going to worship the Lord today. Have we lost complete vision? Are we chasing after temporary things to the point where it has stolen our eternal purpose? Come on. Do you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it doesn't matter where you are in this world, the only thing that's going to be left behind when you leave this place are the souls that you have saved. The souls that you have impacted. Amen? It's the greatest treasure on this planet. Do you know why? Because Jesus died for them. The Son of God himself saw them so worthy that he even laid his life down for them. How selfish are we? We're sitting here and we are enjoying the word, what we're getting taught in this place. Men, you guys don't actually understand what you're getting taught in this place. I was sitting in a meeting on Thursday, and some guy said we have to connect with all 662 names of God, otherwise we, 
we are not Christian. And I was like, excuse me? What? I'm like, okay, it's pretty difficult to have a relationship with 662 different names. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Jesus came to show me I can call him by one name, and that is Father or Abba. Amen? But you must understand, when there's a lack in someone's heart spiritually, they will always go to the extreme. Because they're not doing the basics. They're not connecting with God. There's nothing real. So guess what? I've got to do something big to get God's attention. Let me go learn all 662 names. Why don't you just become a Jew? Huh? Why don't you just go to the synagogue and read the Torah? Because that's where you're on your way to. Why? Because we don't know who we are in Jesus. Amen? Jesus came to show us. He came to set us free from all those works. He came to show us we have a Father. We can have a relationship with the Father, all based on His finished work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Turns the person next to you and say, listen, man, I've got to do something. In my family, my family, in my workplace, in my workplace and I've got to allow God to do something in my heart before it's too late. Before it's too late. Just now your daughter comes home with a hijab one day, then what are you going to do? She must try. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we laugh, but it, it's happening in England. Mm. I've seen things on the, on the thing where the mother was sitting at home and the daughter came home with a hijab, and she was like, what is going on? She says, I must say that you are covering up more of your flesh, but uh, I think this is too far. But they don't know any better. They don't have any reference of the truth. Amen? Amen. By default, the flesh will try and cover itself with religion, folks. Amen? Yeah. By default, we've got to give them the truth. Will you go do something? Do you see all these chairs here? These chairs, that's on you. That's on you, folks. If your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, you start with your family, that's your first ministry. That's it. Then you come and you bring the friends. And then you pray every day and you ask the Lord to show you somebody. Lord, who can I touch today? Who can I give the truth to today? Who's crying out to know you for who you are? Mm. And you do what you have to do, family. I'm not telling you this. Jesus said this. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Some conviction, some vision, some purpose beyond ourselves. Amen? Give God a big round of applause. Come on, man. And you know, it's, it's, more, it's more a principle of opportunity than anything else, guys. Do you know in every other religion... They need to go somewhere to find their God. In the Old Testament, it was the same principle. It was the tabernacle. It was the tent of meeting. It was the Ark of the Covenant. Who are the carriers of God's presence today? Can we see a show of hands? Where, where, who's the carrier of God's who's presence? Who's carrying God's presence today? Hello? I don't know about you guys, but that is some serious opportunity. Because you know what happens is that I don't need to go to someone and say, hey, follow me across Joburg. We're going to go to this one house, and there you're going to experience God. Is that what we're supposed to do? No. Where we are, the power of God is with us. Amen? His name is the Holy Spirit. 
What opportunity are we opening our hearts to? Last night I was standing in the rain and praying with my brother. He received a gift of tongues. You think it would have been good if I told him, hey, come and wait till we come to church on Sunday? I'm like, nah, strike while it's hot. Are you with me? You don't need to wait for structures and programs and all these things. You have the power inside of you. People are yearning for a touch from God. All you need to do is open your mouth. Say, hey. No, don't do it like that. I'm kidding. Say, hey. Do you know Jesus loves you? Hey, how are you doing today? Why are you, why are you so sad? What's happening? Now my heart's broken. Well, you know what? I know a healer. I know someone who mends and restores and redeems. Is it so difficult for us to share what we're getting at the table with God? Of course not. It should not be. And it's our responsibility to make that number one importance. Amen? Our responsibility. No one else. Don't look at us. We have the same responsibility as you. Amen? Wherever we go, we must be listening and seeing, hey, hey I'm late. But the Holy Spirit is saying, just tell this guy, listen, Jesus loves you. Like, oh, I'm late. Listen, Boots. Jesus loves you, man. And you don't know what's going to happen in that guy's life. But that's our opportunity. Can you imagine? You know, when Moses came down off the mountain, he had to cover his face because people were so terrified because the glory of God was glowing on his face. But the Bible says that it was fading away, so he covered it, right? So that the people wouldn't make judgments about that. But immediately in their minds, what did they do? They made a connection that, oh, we're only going to get that when we go on the mountain. You know, in the New Testament reality, people are only going to get that if they're connecting with you. Aish, indeed, met Asia. They're not going to go up the mountain or into the valley or to the temple. They're not going to go stand before a golden calf or whatever. They can experience God through every single one of us. Amen? And we don't need to be, have a theological sermon every five seconds. No, we must show them the unconditional value-giving love of God. Where we say, sir or ma'am, you are not cut off from God. Christ has reconciled you. Do you believe? Amen? Amen? Amen. You know that old saying that uh, Elvis has left the building? The king has left the building. Well, our king left the building long ago. He's now inside people's hearts. Amen? He's in your heart. He's in my heart. When we go out there and we, and we share the gospel, don't put pressure on yourself. Like, yes, I've got to open blind eyes so people will believe. I've got to open this deaf ear. I've got to grow out a leg. Don't put pressure on yourself, family. The whole idea that Jesus said, I must go, and it's to your benefit that I must go, so that the Holy Spirit may come. Yes. So that when you have these situations, you can rely on the Holy Spirit completely. He will tell you what to say, when to say it. He'll even tell you, no, all they need is a hug. All they need to hear is, I love them. Are you with me? Michaela was sitting in the salon the other day, and God gave her a word for somebody, and he just mentioned the, the, the age that it took place. Seven years. Oh, sorry, seven years. And she was like, okay, Holy Spirit, what is this? Seven years, seven years. And then she started talk, talking to the lady, and then it all opened up that the seven years were exactly accurate to what she was going through. I mean, what, where must she get seven years from? 
Clive was telling me a story where he walked into the hospital for hospital ministry and he was praying for somebody who was a burn victim, eh, Clive? And the flesh, the burnt flesh was so strong that he was losing his breath. And he just stood back and he said, Holy Spirit, I don't know what to do. How can I pray for this man? I can't even stand in the smell. And the next moment, as he laid his hands on the man, that burnt flesh started smelling like a heavenly smell. And he was able to lead the man. That's Clive. He's not a pastor. He's not a this. He's not a that. He's, he's just a man like you and me. But he put himself in that position to trust the Holy Spirit. When you do that, the Holy Spirit will show you things. Man, there's no Bible school that will be able to teach you that stuff. I promise you. In actual fact, when we sit in a Bible school, we're supposed to be hearing, and it must be a confirmation of what we actually have been experiencing with our walk with the Holy Spirit. Not the other way around. Yeah. Amen? Many a times, guys, my wife has spoken to her clients. One little word, boom. Next moment I see that client church, she'll come home from work, she'll say, this, 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 and happen. Next Sunday they're in church, they're giving their lives to God. But if we are not available for God's work, we are His hands and feet. But where are our minds? Where are our hearts? Amen? You're literally His hands and feet. He's literally the head of this body. And he can use any one of us at any time if we surrender ourselves to him. Family, we need to. We need to. We can't be selfish with what we have. Amen? And you know, the greatest miracle, sorry, Bash, the greatest miracle is to bring a heart, a, somebody who lives in their sin logic, somebody who lives for themselves, somebody who is God of their own heart, when you bring them to that place and they surrender to God, there's no greater miracle because you know why? I've seen people's eyes get opened up. I've seen a guy at the, the robot just up the road here when we did uh, Pump My Hobo. The one guy had a, a, a foot issue that he couldn't even walk on. And we, you know, we brought the hobos in and... I don't know, it's a weird name called Pimp the Hobo. But we pimped them up for the day. We, we washed them up. We cut their hair. All the ladies, my, my kids did their nails and their hair and stuff. Somebody did their makeup. The guys were given some clothes. Then we served them a three-course meal. Some of them gave their hearts to the Lord. But some of them just received their healing, and that was it. And they still at the robot, fully healed. But they never received Jesus. And guess what? Still begging, please help me, I'm crippled. Meantime, the leg's working now. You can open a blind man's eyes, but if you don't open his heart, he's still crippled. He's still defeated. You have to open the eyes of their heart to show them who they are in Christ, show them where their victory is, where their power is. Amen? Yeah. That's why it's the greatest miracle, because you can see somebody that's down in the dumps and you can see them getting raised up out of that place like Christ was raised up out of the grave. You see them rising up out of their poor circumstances, their financial issues, their sexual addiction. You see them rising up and growing and growing and growing. In the next moment, you're watching this leader sitting in the church. And they're leading people and bringing people into the kingdom. Man, there's no greater miracle than that. There's no greater miracle. Amen? 
So don't put yourself under pressure that you're going to do all these great things. Just introduce them to the one that loves them. And it's going to give you a purpose in your heart and a reward that nothing else on this planet will give you. I promise you. If you don't have money in your bank, go and serve and watch what God does. If you're having a financial issue now, make souls your priority and watch what God does in your life. It works the upside down way. It works the other way, guys. We can't say, oh, no, Lord, when when I've got enough money, then I'll go do your work. No, no, you're never going to do it. When all my conditions are right, then I'll go. That's, that's looking at ourselves. That's not looking at the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Holy Spirit's the power. You don't even have to say anything except the message, because the Bible says it's the message that carries the power, not the Christian. That's good. Come on. Come on, guys. It says the message carries the power. Even if you're broken, even if you're still having a secret little... Work on the side. Even if you, uh, you've got some issues at home that haven't been sorted out 100%, it doesn't disqualify you from portraying Jesus because you're going to do it by telling them the truth. Amen? You're not the truth. Why are you worried about yourself? You're never going to be the truth. There's only one truth. His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? Come on, we disqualify ourselves. We think that we're not good enough to go do this. We have forgotten what this message was all about. It's not about good people. No. It's about bad people, dead people that have been made alive in the power of the Spirit who go out now and speak about a good God and His perfection. Amen? Amen. Come on, guys. What are you getting up for in the morning? Your job. (laughs) Why do you say it like that? <laughs> imagine. Imagine you're driven by some little plaque on the office that says whatever, whatever, manager, whatever. Excuse me. Let me tell you something. I don't care if you're the manager with that gold plaque there for 50 years. The day you say goodbye, they give you a little cheap watch, and they say, sorry, you don't even have to finish off. We've got someone else. Bye. I promise you. What are you giving your life to? What is it that you find in this place that you actually get up every morning and give your life to? It's temporary. Those people don't care about you. They care about what you can do. Don't you understand? You're just a staff number. On a payroll, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully you're getting paid for what you're doing. Do we not understand that we've been called to a whole nother life? And he says, if you trust him, he says, just trust me, just trust me. Come and do it my way. Come and seek the people. Save souls. Seek the kingdom first. And I promise you, everything that you think you have to run after and do in your own strength, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to add it to you. That's what he says. But we don't believe it. That's why we're still doing it in our own strength, waiting for the right conditions. Driven by our feelings. Oh, I don't feel like it today. 
You know, me and my wife had some intense fellowship yesterday. I'm disqualified to speak about the Lord today. Come on, man. They don't care about your intense fellowship at home. <laughs> Do your job. They need to hear the truth. Are you with me? Do you think Trish and I haven't had intense fellowship before I get up here and start singing? Many a times. Many a times. <laughs> yeah, well, now you do. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because that's not my identity. That's not the new me. Hello? I'm a new man. And I might, I might fall into my, 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 my old man sometimes, the dead man, and try and resurrect him to get some stuff done in my flesh. Mm. But it doesn't affect who I am in Christ. So when I get up here, I go, you know what, no matter how I feel, no matter what's been done, I stand in Jesus. Now I praise above my feelings. <laughs> Amen? That's it. The burden of having ugly children. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Where are they? I just want to make sure Yo. my kids are listening. Hey, son. You <laughs> 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 Now, who's there to deal with that? No, no, I'm joking. It doesn't matter. Your kids are, whatever happens, it doesn't work out the way you want it. It's never going to work out the way you want it. Why? Because we all fall in flesh. Yeah. Amen? But we don't live by what we see. The Bible says we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. Faith, exactly. Come on. Yeah. Jesus died for you to have a life with power and purpose. That's it. Go take it. That's it. Everyone say this. Say, faith is my perfect condition. Amen. What are you waiting for? What, what, are you, what boxes are you waiting to be ticked? Because you see, you have a privilege in walking by faith because faith has all the boxes ticked for you. That's right. Just like what Pastor Didi has been explaining. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, bro, from verse 1. I think we have amplified there. Yeah. Faith is your perfect environment. So I want to talk to this. I can feel this. Oh, I should tell this person about Jesus. But I did this today. Hey, Pastor Didi said I needed to listen to the message. I didn't listen to the message. And, you know, you have all those boxes that are unticked, right? And what's taking place in your mind is that you are accepting facts, evidence, like we've been talking on the series. You've been accepting evidence to make a judgment. But, man, look at this. Ish. Praise the Lord. 11. 11 one. You know that awkward moment where I have a scripture in my mind, then I look at the screen. Then I, then I start reading and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not what I had in my mind. <laughs> that's the one, 11 one. One, one, one. Everyone pick your feet up. Apparently that's a cricket thing. There's it. Thanks, buddy. Now faith is the assurance, which is title deed or confirmation. Of things hoped for. What are those things? Those are things that are divinely guaranteed, right? And the evidence of things not seen. Now, now check this out. The conviction of the reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Whoa, I got chills. Anyone get goosebumps there? Faith comprehends as fact. What cannot be experienced by the physical senses. 
Now let's take those, that example of all the boxes that aren't ticked. You're experiencing that, right? You got the evidence in front of you. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, therefore I can't, I won't. What does faith say? It says, okay, these evidence that you're experiencing in your, in your physical senses, you need to connect with the facts. Now why does it say fact? Because you know you have a mind. Everyone here has a mind? Look at the person next to you say, hey, do you have a mind? Look at the other person, do you have a mind? Just knock, make sure it's not hollow. All right. Haven't lost it yet. <laughs> Haven't lost it yet. We've lost your mind. Don't worry. There's a new mind. But you have a mind, and God designed you like that because you were never supposed to create uh, uh, worldviews and paradigms or logic independent of evidence. Amen. If someone hands you a blue pen, you see, oh, this is a pen. Oh, this pen writes in blue. You have a mind so that you don't say this is a green pencil. Amen. Your mind says, pen, blue, blue, pen. This is what it is. Amen. Beautiful, right? So when you receive evidence now of those unticked boxes, what happens? Your mind says, click, 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 click. Mebut, askis, not happening today. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You haven't tried enough. All these kind of things, right? But here we see that we have an assurance. We have substance. We have evidence through faith that we are supposed to take as fact. What does that mean? It means we are supposed to have an experience that our mind resolves this is true. That is why people who try to have faith independent of experiencing God don't have faith. They have intellectual understanding. Because you see, you've linked facts and truths together, but theoretically you haven't seen the practical come out. So what happens? You always struggle. You always doubt. What did the disciples say to Jesus uh, when, they, when they came to him uh, in the storm? Many things. Many things, yeah. But when they came to him in the storm, you don't even care about us. You were sleeping. <laughs> Jesus, we're going to die. We're going to drown. Yes, I hope I wasn't the disciple speaking at that point. I don't know who said those words that were written in that book. But you, you're going to feel really dumb after that. What did he say? He said, did you forget what I just did? He just finished feeding the 5,000. He just finished preaching about the kingdom. He just finished healing and setting free all these people. But right there and then, even after seeing all of that, they still turn around and say, you don't care about us. Hectic, right? But what happens in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost? Is it chapter 2, chapter 3, wherever? Boom, the Holy Spirit arrives and these guys stand up and man... That entire backlog that they had with Jesus of the struggling to understand, they have an experience in their heart and all of a sudden all the theory makes sense. Hello? All of a sudden they stand up and they say, Amal Fanyala Leicester. And not only that, they, they, they shadow and start healing people. Exactly. So they preach the first sermon, right? Was it 3,000 people? 2,000 people? Boom. And the Bible says their numbers grew every single day, right? When they started moving around, people recognizing who they were, they already heard the testimony of what these apostles were doing and this Jesus that they preached. So what happens when they saw them? They were like, oh, these guys are here. They've come in the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And when they walk past them, when the shadows touch them, boom, people get healed. But wait a minute. 
They just didn't have a nice theoretical understanding. They didn't just come to discipleship school and make all the notes and everything. Ooh, that's nice to know. No ways. Before they even wrote down what they believed, before they even tried to convey their understanding, they had an experience in their heart that already confirmed what they walked and experienced with Jesus. Amen? So this fact here that our faith, that this thing's talking about, about faith, this fact is this experience with God, guys. This conviction. You know, we had to do that 11 years ago. Yeah. 11 years ago. Praise the Lord. I remember in the beginning, we were like, oh, two, three years ago. It's 11 now. Double digits. Woo! Yeah, praise the Lord, right? I'm talking about CWW. That's what I'm talking in context. Years ago, what happened? We were, we were yearning and asking God. We're saying, Lord, what we are seeing in the model of church is not true. It's not true in your word. We can see it. We can see people are, are taking your word out of context. They are controlling people. They are, are putting fear on them. They're putting works on them. They're not giving the glory of the new covenant. What happened? We said, okay, shop. We were told to leave because we were troublemakers. Okay, we left. Then we're sitting there. We're like, oh my gosh. We these Christians. We don't have a church. We're going to die. You know, everyone's like strong and they're like, oh, all I need is God. You know, I'll just have church on Sunday. But in the back of their minds, they still have a church to go to if they're not feeling like it's working. You know, so we were in this position now and we were like, we don't have a church. Oh my gosh. This is, we got kicked out of two by this time, eh? But we're not compromising. Yeah, yeah. We, we, got, we got kicked out by, of two, yeah. We're left. Basically. Yeah, we left, we left two, okay? So we're sitting there in Magimbi and Ishramol. You guys know Magimbi and Ishramol? Right? Yeah. You guys go there often. Clive, that was, that was a serious one there. Good caps. Good caps. So we're sitting there and now we're there and we're like, yo. It wasn't Pastor Didi and Pastor Bash that time. It was Pastor Didi and Bash, okay? <laughs> So he's sitting there and he's like, listen, but we need to do something. I'm like, yeah, but we need to do something because everywhere we're going, we're seeing the same pattern. We're seeing the same pattern. We're saying, Lord, help. What do we need to do here? Help. And I promise you right there in that booth next to the till over there, right? Boom. Right there in Mug and Bean. We're sitting across from each other in the Holy Spirit right there. Doof. Then he said, the church is going to be called Church Without Walls. And I said, our motive is going to be his presence is enough. That was 11 years ago, right? Ten and a half. Let me tell you, do you know how amazing the journey has been since then? We have never had a single trouble. We have never had a single worry. We've never fought with a single congregation member. We've never been rejected by anyone. You know? We just, it just, everything just flowed, man. It was the dream come true, you know? Yeah, all the sweat flowed. <laughs> now listen, if you're sitting here and you believe that, you're incredibly naive, okay? <laughs> because... And you've been taught the prosperity gospel. Yeah, you've, you've been given this image that this is what's going to happen, right? <laughs> you know, it was very difficult for me to go through each lie because I just wanted to burst out laughing. <laughs> like, what a joke, right? But, you know what, what started happening, okay? We said, this is it. We had the evidence. We felt it. We were like, what the heck? Immediately, it just felt, you know, there's only a few moments where this has happened in my life, but God touched my heart, and immediately I was in a space that I could not measure the size of. It was so huge, and I was, I was just standing in the space, and I was like, only God can fill the space. I can sense it. This is something way beyond me, right? 
Anyway, we start this thing. Now we're excited. We're like, boom, let's go. But now we realize, hold on. We know nothing. <laughs> All we know is the gospel, right? We know how to worship a bit with some music. You know, we know we got to start at this time. We're going to have praise and worship. We've got to do the word. <laughs> we knew one thing that counted. We knew God. That's it. We knew, we knew God, His right? voice. And I kid you not, we go on this journey because it's not just about building the church now. God had to build us. We were so lost and broken and confused and hurt and burnt by religion. And now, simultaneously on this journey, we are reconciling our walk with God while God, through us, by faith, is doing this work that you're all sitting here this morning. You think we're ever ready for this? I'm still not ready for this. You're never ready. You're yeah. never ready. Do you remember the first five years, guys? We, we, we had a problem with religion. We saw people getting burnt out from religion. I was a pastor in a church watching people give their money and their tithes and losing their businesses and their homes and their cars. Mm. But every Sunday getting put on a guilt trip that they had to give 10% or God will not bless them or they would get sick or they would lose their business or lose their marriage. And this stuff got to me so much that I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, if we start something, we will not use any model of any denomination. We're going to make this church all about the Holy Spirit. That's it. When we worship, we will worship till the Holy Spirit tells us to stop. Yeah. We're not going to come in here and go 10 minutes for this, 5 minutes for that, 3 minutes for this. And then, you know, when people heard this in the churches that we had worked at before and other churches, the word got around. And people were like, yes, we heard there's a Holy Spirit-led church. No religion, everything. They came for three weeks, and then they were like, no, you guys need to have structure. Why? Wow. I thought you came here for the Holy Spirit. No, 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 we, we, this is just not, we need, we need some kind, we need more structure, buddy. It's like, but hold on, this is not about you, it's about the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Are you with me? Exactly. We had to take people right out of a box that we were in. And while we were breaking down our own box, we had to introduce them to what we knew was true, and it was a very difficult process. 100%. Even that thing that we knew that, were true, that was true, we just knew the substance of it. God was still building what it's supposed to look like. But do you think we could stand back and wait? No. He said, go. He said, do it. Now, in the beginning, all right, not of Genesis 1, I mean of the story that I'm telling, okay? <laughs> Everyone's like, whoa, is Bash in Genesis? What's going on? We're jumping around, right? No, in the beginning of this entire journey, right, we were coming out of everything set up. You know, our first sound system, remember your mom gave it to us, right? It wasn't <laughs> even a sound system. That first sound system, okay, it was, the speakers, speakers were so small, eh? I'm just trying to see where's the small speaker. Two speakers in a sound desk, had only five channels worked Yeah, yeah, well. and then it would squeak and it would creak, but, but you know, I promise you, we went from having million rand sound systems and huge auditoriums to this little, okay, we got these two speakers and a sound desk. Cool. We started the church, and the church had so many members purely because all of them were band members. Okay, so we get up, we do worship to empty chairs, but we're having a great time. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Then we're like, okay, take your seats. So what does the band do? Yeah, they put some the, of the best moments. Yeah, they put the instruments down, then the band sits down. Now we're preaching to the band. <laughs> Literally preaching to the choir. <laughs> Literally, right? <laughs> but now while all of this is happening, what do you think is happening in our hearts? 
Immediately, because of the images that we've had, we're measuring our success by how many people are in the chairs. Ooh, big mistake. And we did that. We had to wrestle that for probably a year, two years. But why? Why did we have to wrestle that? Because that model of church told us exactly. lots of numbers mean success. Mm. Mm. I'd rather have 50 proper discipled Christians than 500 wishy-washy prosperity chasing casino gospel if I throw my 10 in I'm getting something out at the end of the month people who don't even know who Jesus is exactly I'd rather Jesus didn't Jesus didn't need 5,000 to make himself feel special even his 12 left him he still finished his work 100% that's it he still finished the work that he was called to do you know you're talking about rather have 50 Man, there were days we were praying for 50. Lord, just give us 50. It, 50 was, <laughs> it was hectic, guys, because, and now, why am I bringing this up? Because this entire series, we've been talking about perseverance. We've been talking about accountability and responsibility. We've been talking about standing in faith. We've been talking about the conviction that you receive from God, you know? And this morning, we wanted to take you on the journey um, of how the harvest that everyone here now in this ministry is enjoying started, right? There were even times where we'd sit. I'd be at work, right? Message me. He's like, yeah, we need to talk. I'm like, oh. One of two things is happening. Either I'm in trouble or we're closing down the church, right? You know how many conversations we had like that? We'd sit. We'd go into Trisha's office there, there at Didi's house. And those of you who've been there, we'd sit down and we'd be like this. Because now we've had weeks and weeks and weeks of like two, three people in the church. More importantly, two, three people who don't know anything about connecting with the Holy Spirit. Two, three people who aren't listening to the word. Everything's new to them. You know, because the gospel... Hasn't uh, been preached in this country it for hasn't, exactly. 50 years. When we talk about being righteous by faith, right, and, being wo and walking with the Holy Spirit, people are like, okay, but can I just praise and worship and give my tithe? What are you talking about? It's like, no, 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 hold on. It's about walking with God. It's about a relationship with Him. And man, we'd sit there because the worst part is we know the conviction. But now life is hectic. We have to give extra time now. We have to give extra money, everything, to make this vision come up. And we are not seeing the expectation that we had in our hearts. And then some of us don't want to go share the gospel because we had an argument with uh, someone the day before. <laughs> exactly. That's what he's trying to bring it back to. He's trying to show you the picture. 100%. And, and, and in those moments, what did we have to do? What did we have to do? We couldn't, say, we couldn't say, oh, my Bible school degree said I must go start a church. Do you think that's enough to give you strength when you have to follow through with something? Absolutely not. You know what's enough to give you strength to follow through with something? is the touch of God in your heart. Amen. It's a vision that God gives you. And year after year, do you know that even in this church, I had to even deal with in my own heart that there were people who came to the church and they said, we can't be here because we can't listen to an Indian. Trust me, you had to hold me back in the parking lot. Man. <laughs> I was like, there's no one here. Holy Spirit, hold me back. I'm going to kill this person. Listen, they came and then they disappeared. I'm like, hey, dudes, what happened to those people? He's like, no, no, don't worry about them. And only years later, he told me. Only years later, he told me. Now, here's the thing. What, now, when I found out, that I'd be like, oh, Lord, why am I Indian? <laughs> when I go home and feel sorry for myself? <laughs> Whenever white people are in the, in, the, in the service, do I just, what, tell Didi, okay, you preach today. There's white people here. No ways. I have received Listen, my calling from God. Amen. Amen. 
It's so crazy, guys. There was just somebody who told me on Thursday that their, their wife doesn't want to come back to church because there's two people talking instead of one. Let me tell you something how crazy this is. <clears throat> Let me tell you how crazy this is, guys. They don't even understand the method behind this madness. Do you know why I said to Bash, we will preach together? Sometimes I preach alone, he preaches alone. You've seen it, Tussle comes and gives a message. But you know why we do this? There's a method to it. It's because I come from churches where the pastor was put on a pedestal. And people worship the man. Mm. And I said to him, if they see both of us, they're not going to put one of us on a pedestal. Or both There's of us. Or both of us. Yeah. There's a method why we do everything. Exactly. We don't want to use the old model. The old model takes people's eyes off of Jesus. That's it. That's it. If we can both be here and we can deflect each other and point you to Jesus, job well done. It's not about me. Exactly. It's not about me. It's about the message. Exactly. It's not about him. It's about the message. That's it. Do you want to see where I park? I don't have a special uh, Somebody came to me once and said, we're going to make a thing there, special parking for your pastors. I was like, listen, buddy, <laughs> you don't understand how it works here. <laughs> My Jesus didn't come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on a stallion. He came in on a donkey for a reason. That's it. Exactly. Why? Exactly. We have to break the mentality of the, of, of the church at the moment. Yeah. The church is all about status and, and guys with pictures and Rolexes like this, taking photos on the back of their books. Check my Rolex. Yeah. <laughs> says grace and peace. Amen. But, so, hey? Hey? Yeah, yeah, remember. Stopped and started, stopped and started. <laughs> I think that was for the sake of your, your preaching times. <laughs> Watch just magically stop. But, but what, what, what's the point that we're getting to you guys? You know, in those moments when you, you're disqualified, you see no evidence of this in front of you. You see your emotions are having their way with you. Everything's just going down. What are these things I'm talking about? I'm talking about human things. Are you a human? Okay, I got two humans in the room, okay. All of these things are real, right? These are things that we experience with. These are things that we contend with and we wrestle with to, to manage ourselves and, and bring ourselves back to the truth in Christ. And you know, every time we had these things, yeah, we'd vent our emotions and, and we'd lose, we, we'd lose the, 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 the gusto, you know, all this kind of stuff. But you know what we'd come back to at the end of it? You know what we'd come back to? This is what perseverance is. Remember I told you last week, biblical perseverance is, is that you are, you are pushing through because you want to see here what God already showed you. You're not pushing through to achieve. And you know what we said at the end of it? We just said, but God said we've got to do this. God said we've got to do this. He gave us the vision. And you know what? We pushed through. And look at this this morning. A decade later. I can tell you the number of people. I, I wish I could tell you the number of people who, whose lives were changed because of this ministry. Not because they became huge pastors and you know all this kind of stuff. But because they were free from religion. They met the true living God. They heard the true gospel. And the chains and the disqualification and the condemnation that they were experiencing were broken down because they experienced the loving Father. Amen? So this perseverance that we're talking about, this, this standing in faith, this faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. When you're standing up every day and your physical senses are having their way with you, even to the point where they tell you, go and work for that name on that office, that's just written with vinyl and plastic. 
You know what you should go work for? You should go work for the book that your name is written in. And that is the Lamb's book of life, amen? That's what every single one of us should work for. Amen. Amen? Jeez, turn to the person next to you and say, man, don't be a sissy. Christianity is not for sissies. I don't even think many of you guys know, but during COVID, talking about your, your physical senses, we're going we're gonna to end now. Sorry, we run over a bit. But um, persevere. He's <laughs> talking about perseverance. But during COVID, I literally went blind for a week, and nobody even knows it. One Sunday, I came over here. You ask him. I don't know how I drove here. No, I think Jamie drove me here. I can't remember. Jamie had to drive me because I got infected with this thing and I went blind for a week. When they switched the lights off for worship, because it was so dim, I couldn't even see where my feet were going before I walked in here. And then I walked in here and the lights were off and I was like, Holy Spirit, I need your help. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I stood up here and I sang and I worshipped. And I worshipped. I didn't care about what was, going through, what was going on in my physical senses. I sang and I praised him, not knowing if I was going to see again, not knowing if both my eyes were going to work again. And when I went home, I went into prayer, and I, just out of faith, and I was like, Lord, I can't. You need to give me my eyes. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't use my eyes. I trust you, Lord. And the next moment, my eyes started opening. Because I came here, I didn't stop what God's called me to do. We can't. If you're going to look at yourself, you will go nowhere. You have to keep your eyes on Jesus. He will lead you to that finished work. Amen? Amen. Can we give him one more big round of applause? Last, last statement. So everyone say purpose. Your purpose is not a ministry. Your purpose is not a job. Your purpose is nothing like that. Your purpose is to be found in Christ. Every day, you stand in faith in what he has done and who he is. And you experience yourself in Christ so that you can go out and show the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Galatians 5 verse 6 says this. <clears throat> Actually, you can put it up quickly, Darren. Let's just end with this. Galatians 5 verse 6. You can put up the Amplified if you're still on the Amplified. Can I, can, I, can I punch you in the guts? You know, the, you know those heavy blows where you get punched in the guts? The only reason why we're not sharing the gospel and the only reason why our faith is not active is because we're lacking love. Hello? Remember this. Your faith works by love. And when I say you're lacking love or I'm lacking love, I'm not talking about my love for the Father. I'm lacking the love the Father has for me in my heart. That's why I have no faith. But the moment I experience His love in my heart, my faith skyrockets. So the only reason why we, are not, we don't have confidence and we're not going out and sharing the gospel is because we are not experiencing His love in our heart the way we should be. And you can have it by choice, any day, all day long. And when that love touches you in your heart, I promise you now, nothing will hold you back from sharing the gospel, giving your money, giving your time, giving your life for the work of the Lord. Amen.
Faith works by love. Go get loved. Amen? Go home and get loved by the Lord this morning. And watch how your life changes. Amen. So, folks, if there's anyone in the room this morning that you don't know the love of God, you've never experienced the love of God, or you feel like your power is intermittent, you're like one moment you're up and then you're down and then you're up and then you're down, that's simply just because you haven't heard the true gospel and your foundation hasn't been laid on the finished work of Jesus. You're still trying to lay it in your own work. If that's you this morning, I want you to put up your hand and we'll, we'll pray with you. Or just come up to the front after the service and speak to us. We'll have a chat with you, and we'll make sure that you'll get discipled. Amen? Amen. Just shout it out. Say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Have an awesome week, family. Enjoy.